Hey, this is Jay Worth, your host for Green Industry Perspectives. I just wanted to give you a quick note before we start this episode. We're fully aware there's no shortage of software companies out there, and we're not the only ones specializing in green industry software. One thing that sets single ops apart is our track record of delivering top-notch resources tailored specifically for you and your business. We've been hosting this podcast for years, offering insights and expertise from the best minds in the business. We've been crafting comprehensive guides packed with green industry business best practices for years, and we've been turning out blog content on how to boost your business, streamline services, and exceed your customers' expectations long before our competitors started doing it for clicks. In a world of options, Single Ops has always been your dependable source with a history of supporting you and your success. To access these free resources, head to singleops.com and check out the resources tab. And remember, we were here to help first. You are listening to the Green Industry Perspectives Podcast, presented by Single Ops, a podcast created for green industry professionals looking for best practices, tactics, and tips in running their tree care or landscape business. Welcome back to another episode of Green Industry Perspectives, presented by Single Ops. My name is Jay Worth. Really excited to have with me today on the show, Liz Lark-Riley. She is the Senior Customer Relationship Manager for Mahoney's Garden Centers. Liz, how are you today? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me, Jay. Absolutely my pleasure. Liz, we open every episode the same way. We want our listeners to get some immediate value, understand what they're getting into with this episode. So based on your experience, what are the top three common threads that you see in really successful green industry companies? The most successful green industry businesses, the ones that really inspire me, have three big things in common. The first is communication. This is absolutely paramount, whether you're really big like us at Mahoney's or, um, you know, very small like Rockledge Gardens, where I most recently came from. Communication is so important, getting the information to your frontline employees. The second thing that is so, so important, and um, one of my favorite companies that does this especially well is Tonkadale Greenhouses in uh, um, Minnetonka, Minnesota, run by Jesse Jacobson, uh, is is core values um, and Mm. communicating those core values, being on the same page with your um, your partners, your stakeholders, your team, and your customers with those core values. And the third thing is employee development, um, creating opportunities for your employees to learn, to grow, to feel like they are doing something that isn't just a job, that they are developing professionally. And whether that's because they want to stay with your company for um, their entire career or you want to get, you know, more than a season out of them. You want to get a couple of really good years that they can take their experience and um, move on to the next step in their career, feeling as though their time in your company um, it has been valuable, um, which is a challenge for us in retail because um, many people don't see retail as a career path. So, um, so, so creating those opportunities for development, um, are going to be essential for retention. I love these. I'm very excited to have this conversation. So, um, I definitely, uh, am looking forward to this. 
Liz, if you would, um, you mentioned Rockledge Gardens, but if you would just talk a little bit about how your background, because I think it's um, very pertinent to when we're talking about how we interact with customers, right? Which is what I think ultimately a lot of this boils down to. Um, you know, your background and then what you're doing at Rockledge and what you're doing now at Mahoney's, because um, I think it's really, um, like a lot of us have can come to this uh, conversation where, you know, we didn't come from a green industry background, but I think yours is even a little bit more outside the box than, than <laughs> normal. So, yeah. So uh, surprise, surprise, I have a theater background. Um, I studied, I was a theater kid my whole life um, from the time I was very, very small and um, I have multiple degrees in theater. I have a, um, a bachelor's in drama and communications and a master's degree in performing arts administration. Um, my husband and I moved to his hometown in Rockledge, Florida um, to start a theater company. And I accidentally ended up in the green industry when uh, my husband's parents, who were the owners of Rockledge Gardens, um, gave us day jobs at Rockledge Gardens to, um, you know, sort of supplement our um, our theater career, which um, did not, in fact, pay us a salary at all. It, it actually um, took all of our money. Um, so, <laughs> so I I ended up falling in love with uh, with the green industry and with management. Um, I saw a lot of really interesting parallels between retail and theater. Um, I yes. had the opportunity to give a talk at the Garden Center Conference and Expo a couple of years ago in Orlando um, called Storytelling Tips from a Theater Nerd, where I really got to explore all those um, parallels between my theater career and my new career in retail and in management and in the green industry. Um, and it's just been um, such uh, an exciting career journey for me. Um, my husband, who grew up in the green industry, but chose a different path, he's actually still involved in theater, um, loves that um, that I kind of took on the mantle of, of being in um, retail gardening, um, which he grew up with. So he's got this sort of like tangential com comfort of, um, of the green industry and, and retail um, being in our lives um, in a way that, that you know, he, he took a different path. So um, I, I helped my in-laws um, sell the business because we knew that um, although I had fallen in love with the green industry, taking over Rockledge Gardens and spending our lives um, in Rockledge, Florida really wasn't for us. Um, we wanted to be in a place that was a little more culturally diverse, that created a little more opportunities um, within the theater world for my husband. Um, so we really started, um, you know, working toward selling the business to um, an amazing couple who also came from outside the industry who are, are just doing incredible things with the business now. And that gave us an opportunity to cast a wide net in some, some big cities that we were interested in. And ultimately I found an incredible opportunity at Mahoney's and um, we moved to the Boston area. And so tell us a little bit about Mahoney's because this is a much bigger operation. I'm not from New England, so I had to like look it up. But as I looked it up, it was like, this is a big operation. This is not just like a lot of people when they hear nursery, they think like one location, like your local nursery or, or something like that. But you guys aren't that way. Right, exactly. Mahoney's has seven retail locations. Additionally, we have a, um, a growing operation that um, supports the retail operation 
and a Christmas tree plantation, a sustainable Christmas tree farm in Nova Scotia. So it is a very big operation. Um, it was founded in 1959, um, which is similar to um, uh, Rockledge Gardens, which was founded in 1960. Um, Rockledge Gardens um, stayed uh, stayed small, stayed one location. That was uh, the you know the the goals that um, my in laws had um, in mind. Whereas um, Mahoney's uh, grew from its flagship location in Winchester to uh, seven locations in the Boston area and um, and also the uh, the Cape in Cape Cod as well. Yeah, it's just a just a massive operation, and so um, yeah, I wanted to. I was really excited for this conversation because I don't think. And I, by the way, as a side note, I may ask for a few more minutes of your time after this, because I have a presentation to give and I'm a I'm a storyteller. I prefer to tell stories. I think you do better with that. So I may, I may ask you for some tips, um, of <laughs> but I think um, we so often forget, like we get so used to as a running a business, like this is the way a process works because this is convenient for us as the business owner and, or, or the managers or, or whatever. Um, and so I think people forget to like, really dive into the perspective of the customer and the way that they interact with our business and how they feel about doing business with us. Um, and so I think this is just a really important conversation. Your first point, your first thread there was communication. And I don't think you can over communicate, but when you think communication, when you were thinking of this as a critical you know, key to success for um, these types of operations, and most of our listeners are going to run like tree care companies or landscape companies. What what does that communication look like? What are you thinking? What do you have in mind when you say communication is important? You know, it's really interesting because going from a very small organization where there were 35 employees to a much larger organization with over 200 year-round employees that swells to almost 500 seasonal employees um, communication is vastly more challenging. Um, the other thing, because uh, I went from Florida, where the, the green industry business can be year round, to New England, which has these absolute spikes of, um, you know, we're in season and we're not yep. in season. Yep. Um, it, it's just tremendously challenging. Um, so um, I'm really working to navigate what communication means in a larger organization. We really had it dialed down pat in a small organization. So just to give a few examples of what we did at Rockledge Gardens, which may be helpful to some of your you know, single location, smaller businesses, um, every day, 15 minutes before we opened, we had what we called our morning huddle. This was a five minute or five to 15 minute stand up meeting where we talked about here are the trucks that are coming in uh, today. Here are a few things that we've been noticing that we just need a little reminder or a little retraining on. Um, you know, it's so-and-so's birthday today. Um, here's here's what events we have happening today, or this is a field trip that's coming in today. Um, you know, things like that, that just got everybody on the same page um, you know, at the same time. Um, and I know that that can be challenging for retail locations that um, maybe don't, maybe have a longer day. If it's a, if it's longer than an eight hour day and you've got people working split shifts or, you know, folks coming in later, that can be more challenging. But, um, but for us, we're open nine to five. 
Um, so it was it was a great opportunity for everybody to get together. Um, the other piece of communication, the other big communication tool was a um, once a month all hands meeting. So that's the entire staff um, it came together. We provided dinner. Meetings were paid. Um, you know, oftentimes it was it was overtime for the staff because they already worked a full schedule. And then this was after we closed. Um, but that was a little added incentive because they got that time and a half. Um, and we, um, you know, everybody got together. That's when we would really dig into some retraining issues. And that is also where we really hit on um, number three quite a bit, which is that employee development. So often we would bring in our vendors to give a talk on some of the products that we sold so that um, employees felt really confident selling those products. Um, it's a, definitely a bonus if your vendors are able to provide samples of those products so your employees can try them at home. Um, so that was a big, important piece. And then um, finally, I sent out a weekly email to all staff. This included um, events that we had coming up. Um, this included, um, you know, a weekly uh, shout out. Um, we would, you know, we would have a weekly wow where we would really single out an employee who had done a great job of living our core values of demonstrating them. And this wasn't always top-down management, um, you know, nominating somebody, anybody in the organization could wow somebody at any time. Yeah, I love that. So, um, so that really kind of engaged the entire staff in that way. And then finally, I would um, share our positive Google reviews and Yelp reviews. So anytime on Facebook reviews, all the all the reviews where that you're getting in, um, you know, most of your employees don't get to see that and they don't get to hear how much the customers appreciate what they do. So I really um, made it a point every week to, you know, just pull in all the positive reviews and share those five-star reviews to our employees um, in that email as well. The last piece of um, communication that we used, which was really amazing, was we had an employee intranet site. So this was an yes. employee website that um, we developed with um, uh, SUNY Kennedy and John Kennedy um, to, uh, to create a hub where our employees could go for that need to know information at any time from any computer. And it's locked down. So you have to be, you know, registered to be able to use it. Customers couldn't stumble upon it, was not on the World Wide Web or indexed anywhere where anybody else could find. Um, but uh, they could also access it from their phones um, if they're using the, the correct browser. So, um, so, you know, really, when I say that communication is key, we really found places to do it um, in so many different ways in, in a hope too that, you know, maybe we're communicating the same thing again and again, but people learn different ways and they absorb different information in different ways. So um, giving people lots of opportunities to absorb and get the message home was really important to me. Yeah, especially because, you know, to your point, everyone has different learning styles, right? Like some people can read that email and they'll ex immediately like get it all, but other people need to hear it. And so a lot of people in our industry do that meeting you're talking about in the morning, they call it a morning huddle or a tailgate or something like that. You know, maybe they need to hear it audibly. And so giving um, something for people with those different learning styles to make sure that everyone has a chance to really absorb the information. I love that. I think that's just absolutely critical. Um, it sounds like a lot of this, though, 
is internally focused, right? Like you're talking about like, how do we communicate with the team? How do we make sure everyone's on the same page? Are there other people that you need to consider communicating with as the business and who are they and how do you do it? Is it yes, similar yes. communication methods or? Yes, of course. Um, that's, that is a great point. I tend to get run away with uh, myself when I talk to talk about um, the internal stuff, because I really do feel like if you take care of your people, your yes. people are going to take care of your customers. So that's a huge um, piece of the puzzle um, because we do rely on our team to I communicate agree. verbally with our customers. And if they really know what's going on, if they understand the product, they're going to do a great job of talking to our customers. They're also going to feel a lot happier at work because they feel supportive. They don't feel at sea. They Absolutely. know what they're talking about. It is incredibly demoralizing and humiliating if a customer asks you a question about the place you work and you don't know the answer and you don't even know where to find the answer. Yes. So that's why I really always start with those internal communications. Um, in terms of external communications, um, we also did a, uh, a weekly newsletter to our subscriber base, um, which we, we do at Mahoney's as well. Um, we um, have a very robust website full of uh, customer uh, education content, which can double as employee education content. Um, that's something we're working to uh, develop a strong um, resource library at Mahoney's as well. Um, and uh, and then, of course, the, the social media channels. Um, and when I think about social media and what is really effective communication for businesses uh, in social media, you really have to categorize your content in four ways. Your content should always be one of four things, or it could be, you know, many common, any combination of these four, but it needs yeah, to yeah. fall into at least one of these categories. It should be educational, inspirational, community building, or behind the scenes. These are the things that are going to connect yes. with and engage your, your customers. And if it doesn't fall into one of those categories, if it's just a straight up come buy this thing from me, it's not, it's just going to fall flat. Noise at that point. They get right. so many of those messages, like, like exactly. they don't need that. And the and customers that you're trying to reach at social on social media they're already completely immune to banner ads, pop-up ads. Like you, you just don't even see them. So it has to be something that provides value. Yeah. And I'm big on the educational. That's my, I love, you know, give me an educational post, teach me how to do something, teach me yeah. why something's important and then let me decide if I want to buy it. That's right. for me. Right. Um, yeah. The other thing too, and I don't know, maybe you have a different perspective on this because um, now you run retail centers. I don't know. Do you guys supply um, like landscapers or anything like that? We, do you? Yeah, we have um, a pretty uh, big uh, landscape wholesale customer base as okay. well. So let me ask this then. If, so I just want to put this out there because I think this is something that we miss all the time in our industry too. If you run a landscape business, it's also important to communicate with your vendors. Yes, yes. Right? Like if you need something from them, don't assume they're going to have it. You need to communicate with them. Talk to our audience. Tell them what you as a vendor, as a supplier, right? As from a, from a nursery side, what kind of communication do you need uh, in order to provide really good service to your wholesale buyers, to your right. landscape companies? 
Well, I think it's important to remember that it is a relationship and relationships go in both directions. And the most successful vendor-client relationships are ones where you are both equally invested in each other's success. Because if, if your vendor is successful, you will be successful and vice versa. I remember um, one thing that really stuck with me, um, Clint Albin with um, Homestead Gardens, who you should totally talk to, Jay, if you get a chance. Um, he he put it uh, a way that, that um, you know, really stuck with me. He was saying that he would talk to her, his vendors and say, you know, a goal of ours is to move 10,000 of these units in this time frame. Could that be a goal of yours too? And if you can have shared goals, then um, you're just going, you're going to have a rich relationship where your, your vendors are, you know, they really want to see you sell out of their product. Obviously this, this is something that is, is a win-win, right? Um, when we're supplying wholesalers, you know, it's, um, it's so um, crucial that, you know, we get, we get that lead time that we, um, you know, that there's also a recognition and, and respect for, um, for the retail customer as well. Um, and, uh, and that, you know, we, we sort of understand each other's business goals. Yeah. I love this. I love this all so much. Now, just one last question on the communication here. If a business leader, or business, you know, someone business owners listening to this, and they really want to communicate well. What's like one nugget you can leave them with? Like, what should they be doing to communicate at a high level? Oh, you threw me for a loop on that high level because I would say if you were going to do one of these things, that um, correction. That let me let me rephrase well. that. Not at a high level. Not maybe not a ten thousand foot view. Let me rephrase that. If they want to communicate well, like they want to make sure ensure communication is happening, what should they be doing? It's, it's commitment to consistency because you're going to lose the trust of your, your customers, your employees. If you, you know, you start something and it's just like, all right, great. We're going to do this communication thing. And you get really excited and you do it for a little while. And then, you know, one thing or another happens and it drops off and like, oh, let's not do the morning huddle this morning because we got a truck here. And let's not do it this morning because so-and-so is sick. If, if that, if you allow that to happen and you, um, you, you the trust will just be uh, become absent if if you can't commit to that consistency. So so I consistency is absolutely the most important thing when it comes to communication. See, I had a different answer, but I like your answer better. <laughs> I had a very <laughs> different answer. answer. <laughs> no, my answer was I was going to say you have to make sure the message is being received. Oh sure, yeah, absolutely. So so important, right? Like I could stand here and scream into the void for an hour, and it doesn't matter. Like. Okay. So some of you listening to this might know this if you follow me on LinkedIn or not. I live in Italy right now, right? Like someone on the street can literally stand and scream at me. It doesn't matter. I'm not receiving it. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a big difference there. Um, you said your second thing was core values that are communicated. 
which create a meaningful customer service policy. And I'm, first of all, always here for a good conversation about core values. Always here for that. I love it. Why are those so critical in your opinion? What What is it about core values that, that sets people up for success? So again, coming back to what customers want to support and what employees want to be a part of, they want to feel like their work and um, you know where they're spending their dollars has meaning. And without core values, there's there's no shape to to that meaning. Um, you know, I want to go to work and I want to have an impact. I want to know that I can find common ground with my employers and feel like the work I'm doing matters. That's making the world a better place. Customers want to spend their money with organizations where they see an alignment of values. So consistently communicating your core values to your employees and to your customers makes that that connection. And um, it just goes so far in that search for meaning that we all experience. Yeah, I love that answer because I agree. And I've, I've had this, I usually have this conversation as it relates to like um, corporate social responsibility. But it's mm-hmm. like, you want people to feel good about spending their money there, right? right? So like the analogy I use with people all the time is if I'm looking at salad dressing. I, I'm a big Caesar salad guy. I like Caesar salad. If I'm looking at two salad dressings on the shelf and Ken's is right there and Newman's own is right there. They taste about the same to me. I think they're both good. But if they're the same price, I'm buying Newman's own because I know they give to charity. Right. I feel good right. about it. Exactly. And honestly, I will even pay more for the Newman's own because Come on. it's- Yep. You know, I know that part of the, part of the money is going to charity. I feel good about this company and in my brain, it tastes better because it's, it's something that I, you know, can feel, feel good about. Because it lines up with your personal values. Exactly. Come on. I would even pay more for it. Thank you for throwing that in there. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I agree. That's so, so important for, um, independent garden centers to understand because let's face it, everybody knows we are never, not ever going to beat Lowe's and Home Depot on price. That's not going to happen. We will always be more expensive. And even when we're not, our customer is going to perceive us as more expensive. So that means you have to offer something different. You have to offer something that they are not going to get at Lowe's or Home Depot. Lowe's and Home Depot can do a great job of supplying great-looking plants. We can all do that. But what they can't do that we are uniquely positioned to do is share our values in a meaningful way and help our customers understand that they are connecting with and supporting their local community. Absolutely. And so if you're a landscaper listening to this, like I guess for me, or like, let's say, um, so like my background in the industry is in lawn care, professional, you know, fertilization, weed control. So I'm my local mom and pop operation is never going to compete with true green on price. Right. We're going to get crushed every time because they can afford to take a loss that I can't. What you need to do is communicate those values in such a way that people say, you know what, 
I really like what this company stands for. I'll give you a great example. So the the market that I was operating in had um, a company that was 100% veteran owned and operated and hired veterans. Mm -hmm. And they came in and very quickly because... And they weren't, they weren't less expensive than the other mom and pop place that I was working, <laughs> right? Hey. Like they weren't less expensive. Um, it wasn't a price issue because I think what you're talking about essentially is the commoditization, right? Like people would rather spend more. They're fine with spending more as long as they support the mission. And if you've communicated those core values, is that what you were getting at? And I, this is one of the questions I had. You mentioned those core values create a meaningful customer service policy. Is that related to this or is, or do you see that as two separate things? Yeah, it, it creates a meaningful customer service policy because when your employees understand your core values and what you're trying to do in terms of your customer experience, they know how to behave in yes. ways that will support that customer journey. You know, it's like yeah. when you understand the why, the how and the what come very naturally. Yes, I could not agree with. And that was actually my, like for me, okay. It, your team will then make decisions that align with the business's core value. So like if you're fast delivery of service is a core value, team members will know okay, we prioritize resolving our customers' issues quickly. I can make a decision without being worried that I'm going to get my wrist slapped later. Right, right. Yeah. So like I, I mentioned earlier um, that Tonkadale uh, does this incredibly well. And um, one of their core values, which, you know, they, they've got blasted everywhere. They talk about them all the time. They play all sorts of games related to um, their core values um, to really get their, their team on board and invested and, and really understand what they are. But one of them uh, is obsessed with success. So Tonkadale has a core value that we are obsessed with success. So what does that mean for how their employees are going to treat their customers? Well, it means that their employees are really going to be invested in understanding how to help their customers care for their plants successfully. It means that they're going to be invested in creating resources and materials that are going to support their customer's success. And it means that they're going to take the time to have those conversations with their customers and ensure that they're successful. And success for your customers in our industry is so very, very important because if, if customers are consistently failing and getting burned out and feeling like this is too hard, I can't do it, then guess what? They are going to quit the hobby. And this is something that they're spending their discretionary income on. And they'll find a new place to spend that discretionary income if they're constantly failing and they feel unsupported. Or even worse, if your, um, if your garden center employees or your landscapers make them feel stupid for asking the questions, for not knowing the answers, then they are absolutely going to not touch you with a 10-foot pole. And if they are committed to the hobby, they're going to stop being committed to you and they're going to go to Lowe's or Home Depot where the employees just ignore them because at least then they don't feel stupid. So when yeah. Jesse consistently talks about obsessed with success as a core value, 
that helps her employees understand that they are invested in their customer's success and their employees are never going to make their customers feel stupid. I love, love, love this again, because it, it all comes back to how do they feel doing business with you? Yes, yes, absolutely. If you make people feel good about doing business with you, they will keep doing business with you. Exactly. And it's the same way for tree care. It's the same way for landscaping. Occasionally you have a storm, right? And you have to call a tree care company. That's fine. Don't make it a necessary evil, right? right. Like, be right. easy to work with. Um, right. Give the, deliver a good experience, you know, like, I don't know, try a lot of places don't do this, actually answer the phone or actually like call them back when they submit a web form or text them or right. whatever their communication options you have given them, actually follow through on that, get service delivered quickly, give them online payment options, make it easy for them to pay their bill. Like, right. Yeah. Bare I, minimum I for entry, wanna, in my uh, opinion. On a tangent real <laughs> quick, because um, I have a crazy, crazy story. So my sister-in-law who um, was, you know, part of Rockledge Gardens, uh, still lives in Florida, um, recently had a situation where an entire colony of bees took up residence in the walls of her oh. spare bedroom. Yep. Okay. This is the stuff of nightmares. Like she shows <laughs> the video of these bees, like, uh, you know, a, a section of her wall cut out and just like, honeycomb in her walls wait they were honeybees yeah oh yeah honeybees in oh okay in well that's not as bad i've, I've actually heard this with yellow yeah. jackets on multiple occasions oh my that's god even worse. i cannot imagine but anyway go ahead but she had such a a great experience with the the person who came to remediate the situation she talked about how she was so excited that um he was able to you know rehome all of these bees and um you know they they got to be uh, saved. And now she's got all these honeycombs that she's turning in. I mean, she's like jars and jars of honey. I'm expecting, you know, the spare bedroom honey to arrive, um, and are <laughs> in the spare mall bedroom any, day, any day now. Um, and she, you know, it, it, because of this, this professional who came in and like you said, with the tree removal, um, person, like not making it a necessary evil. Like I would say that if I were in a situation where I had to have somebody come in cut into the walls in my home to remove a colony of bees. That to me is like a, ne a necessary evil. But her perspective on this was entirely positive. She was just like, the bees get rehomed. The guy was so nice, so professional, and we get all this honey. So it's a win-win. And I was just like, oh my God, that is unbelievable to me. Yeah. That's her attitude about this, this whole experience. And a lot of it has to do with this professional who came into her home and just made it an 100%. experience that is, is positive instead of just like absolutely nightmarish. Yeah. And so like, okay, in that situation, like emergency tree work, you're catching people sometimes at some of the worst moments of their life, right? Like a tree yeah. is on their house, their garage, their car, whatever. Like have some compassion there um, for your other situations. Like maybe they want to build a patio or whatever. Like think about what that experience is going to be like for them. How long is construction going to take? What are delays going to be like? How are you going to communicate those things? Why are they wanting the patio in the first place? Don't just assume they want a place to grill outside. Maybe they're hosting an event. Maybe it's, they're right. going to, they're going to turn their space into a venue. Like there's so many things that you just don't, 
like we have to we have to think about the customer yeah. and so much and as, what as you level. brought up there is so um so paramount as well because um you know people love to talk about themselves they love to talk about yep. their their goals and their interests and it's so powerful when we as um, businesses can really get curious about our customers' goals. What are you after here? And, you know, sometimes the customer doesn't know the right question to ask. They're asking the question that they, they think to ask. And maybe our answer is no. Do you have, you know, such and such uh, tree in stock? No, that doesn't, that doesn't grow here. Not in our hardiness zone. If you give an answer like that, first of all, they may not even know what a hardiness zone is. Mm -hmm. um, second of all, like that shuts the conversation down. Um, but if you can flip that around and get curious and you can say, you know, actually, um, that's, uh, they, they don't actually grow well in this, uh, particular climate. Um, we're here in zone six and, um, you know, that it just gets a little too cold for them here, but what do you like about it? Do you like that it blooms? Do you like that it offers shade? Are you looking for privacy? Um, find out what their goals are because then you can turn that, you know, nope, don't have that into, well, let's find selling something else goals and that we have in stock right now that I can show you. And not only that, they're going to walk away happy, even if they didn't get the thing they originally asked for, because you gave them a solution. Exactly. Like they came to you because they had a problem, not because they wanted that particular plant. Right. Right. Yeah. You're helping them meet their goals and you're giving an opportunity for them to talk about themselves, which everybody loves to do. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we could keep going on on that because I, I have a whole, yep. Yep. We're on the same page, <laughs> same wavelength here. Um, your last point, though, I do want to make sure we get to this because employee development is so important. I couldn't agree any more strongly. I think you must be in the business of developing your team if you're in the green industry. Um, when you talk about employee development, what do you have in mind? Are you talking only about professional development or do you think there is a space for businesses to offer personal development for employees as well? I think it's all integrated and particularly as we look at the uh, the current and the emerging workforce and what they're looking for in their lives, which is integration, flexibility, meaning, development, impact. Um, these are things that are just absolutely intertwined and you can't think about them separately. So, um, you know, for me, it's really important that I spend, uh, you know, I, I have a, a weekly standing meeting with, um, with my team, we're developing a, a new customer service department that is serving all seven locations. So my team is the inaugural team. So not only are they developing their own skills, but they're actually developing the department. Um, and, you know, gaining the skills and, and I'm learning from them. Um, all of them were internal hires that have been with the company longer That's than me. That's so cool. So I'm learning from them. Um, and, you know, we're, we're developing this together. But it's so important that I understand that each of them is going to need something different from me. Um, each of them is going to need something different from their, you know, their work life, their, their, their balance. And if we can do the work to um, understand that um, equity 
really means giving each employee what they need, not necessarily giving everything, everybody the same thing at all times, um, then we're going to have a really engaged workforce. Um, and, you know, on a more practical level, um, our business is, um, is complex. It's uh, sciencey. It's not a thing that everybody knows about. You know, you may, you may not care a lick about gardening, but you still want the front of your house to look nice. So um, those customers who are customers that are going to be buying things from us are relying on us to be the experts. And our employees come to work for us because they are interested in plants. They are interested in developing that knowledge base. And I've seen even the most introverted plant people who think that they'll come, you know, work in the green industry because plants don't talk back and we can just, you know, hang out with the plants and not deal with people. When they get into conversations with customers about something that they feel really comfortable and knowledgeable about, then, you know, you just watch their confidence soar and watch those, those interactions go so smoothly and so beautifully when the employee feel, feels supported because they're learning about something that they really care about. Yeah. And I think to your point, it's actually kind of like a dovetail with the what we were just talking about before we got to personal development or professional development for your team. Um, you have to ask them about their goals. Right. Like for right. each person, like they don't have, they're not all going to have the same goals. Some of them want to get promoted. Some of them just want to take this skill and transfer into another industry. And you have to be okay with that. Right. Right. Um, you know, I have one of my team members who, um, you know, told me that a goal of theirs is to, um, you know, be a supervisor within the next year. I'm like, awesome, because I need to replace myself within this department at this location so that I can focus on the entire organization. So now I've got that, you know, I know who I need to develop supervisory skills in. Not only yeah. is this person interested, there is a need that I can see coming down the future. And so I can develop that bench. And I know that that's, you know, how we're going to do it because this person told me. And they told me because I asked. That's right. And I, and I like the, I like the little plug for uh, Neil who introduced us, Neil Glatt. Yes. <laughs> Growing the bench. I like it. Yes, um, yes. Love, love so, Neil. So Neil, if you listen to this, we get, we get your little shout out in here. Um, <laughs> if, have you seen this work well? So like, I just want to give a practical example, employee development. Have you seen this work well in a business that you've run or a business you've belonged to? And if so, what did they do? Why did it work? Absolutely. So um, a great example is um, Seth, if you're listening, I'll send you the link later. But um, uh, Seth Rhodes, um, who uh, is um, one of the managers at Rockledge Gardens, um, started as a loader um, at, you know, like 19 years old. Um, and within a very short time period, like two, three years as one of the upper level managers in our company, um, just extremely dedicated and work ethic. So he, you know, he had all that to begin with, um, but we really worked hard together to, um, to develop his leadership skills, to offer him, um, you know, opportunities to learn what his strengths are and really lean into those. 
Um, but I learned a lot from him as well. And that's an important key is that as, mm. as leaders, we have to be really humble and open to um, what we can learn from our team members. I'll never forget one day he had um, the, the bravery to tell me, you know, sometimes I get anxious about telling you about issues that, you know, we're having because you have such a strong reaction. And I was like, oh, wow. You know, and I realized I wasn't practicing wow. my curiosity. I wasn't, you know, giving him enough space to uh, talk to me about, you know, like I might jump to uh, having this strong reaction about the problem and what I would do to solve it when he may have been, you know, 10 steps ahead of me and may have already thought out a solution. And I yeah. didn't give him the space to talk me through what he had already come up with. So, um, you know, incredibly grateful to Seth and so, so proud of him as well, because not only is he a full-time manager at Rockledge Gardens, you know, really doing an incredible job, but also on the side, he's developing his own growing business. So, um, he, uh, he rents space across the street from my in-laws and is, is growing some of those things that are, you know, harder for us to find that customers keep asking about. And we, you know, just can't, uh, can't get them. Um, so he's like, well, I, I'm going to grow it. Um, so, uh, so really, uh, just incredibly proud of him and, um, excited to see, you know, how he soars in this industry. Liz, this has been such a fun conversation. I really appreciate you making the time today. If someone is listening to this and they want to learn, you know, connect with you personally, or they want to learn more about Mahoney's, how would you recommend they go about doing that? Um, I'm, I'm pretty good about keeping my inbox clear. So, um, so you can send me an email and, um, I will most likely get back to you, uh, within 24 hours. It's elarkriley at mahoneysgarden.com. That's, um, E is in Elizabeth Lark Riley without the hyphen at mahoneys, plural garden, singular.com. Sounds like you might have had to explain that to somebody <laughs> once or twice. <laughs> I'll have a link to that in the show notes. Uh, Liz, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate making time. It's been a really fun conversation. Thank you, Jay. I had a great time.